Warning. This podcast frequently contains potentially triggering, violent, and graphic content. Listener discretion is highly advised. Hello again, Nightmare Society. Gather round for another episode of True Horror Stories. A big welcome to our newest members of the online campfire. Desiree K, or it may be Desirea, I apologize. And Emily R. Thank you both so much for your support. And thanks for being faithful listeners. We're so glad to have you. At patreon.com slash nightmare society, you can join in for as little as a dollar a month. We have different levels of membership and different perks for each, so if you're interested, be sure to uh, check it out. Links for all of these will be in the show notes. Also, a big thanks to our contributors, Anonymous, User Disaster Child, and Miss Faith Bardill, who were nice enough to share their stories with us tonight. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. If you ever want to hear some of the most messed up stories you'll ever find in your life, Just ask the regular graveyard guy at your local all-night convenience store for some of the stuff he's seen. And dear God, bring some popcorn. In my life, I've been the graveyard guy for not one, not two, but three different 7-Eleven locations, and I'm going to bring the bulk of my horror stories to you lovely people here. This one is about a gentleman named Richard. Working the graveyard shift, I was the lone employee from just after 10 at night to just before 6 in the morning. Not only that, but the next nearest all-night anything was another convenience store over 2 miles away. That from my store, you could just barely see the light pollution of their neon sign. This setup alone made for many interesting happenings, and tonight it was a Saturday night going into Sunday morning just after four o'clock, when a middle-aged man with thick glasses and weak old stubble walked in. He wasn't unpleasant at first. He made small talk as he walked through the store, sometimes to me, sometimes to no one in particular. He mentioned things about the weather. He asked about the hot dogs and taquitos on the grill. It was what it was at first. After walking about the store for a good 20 minutes, he comes up to the register to check out, without anything to actually buy. I asked if he needed help with anything, and he asked me what I knew about the Antichrist. I let out a big exhale. Alright, well, I know enough, I guess. I was raised Catholic, so I know quite a bit on the subject, I suppose. And so he stares at me, eyes wide, mouth pursed. 
I wasn't sure if he was about to bite me on the face or kiss me on the lips and not being able to tell the difference made me very uneasy. The man says, I should get a hot dog. Alright, which one? One of the big ones. I want to enjoy it. There will be no more hot dogs once the Antichrist comes. It sounds like a ridiculous statement. Okay, it is a ridiculous statement. But when said with a genuine menace, it becomes a thinly veiled harbinger of doom. I did my best to ignore it. Got his bread and his hot dog and handed it over to him. He walked around the condiment bar and continued. You have onions? Yep. I love onions. onions. Yeah. Yeah, many people do. They better enjoy them. There will be no more onions once the Antichrist comes. There's really no way to respond to this, so I try to go back to my work. But even as I walk, as I stock cigarettes and start my nightly count, I can feel him watching every move that I make. He comes up to the register with his hot dog, pays, and I hope to hell we're done here. Thanks for coming. Have a good night. And I turn my back. He says, Can I eat this here? Probably not a good idea. The manager comes in at about 5.30 and he doesn't like if anyone's hanging out here. Stuff to do, you know? I'm not worried about him. The crappy part about this is I was actually partially lying. The manager James, my boss, and a really awesome guy, did arrive somewhere between 5.30 and 5.45 every morning, Monday through Friday. But he avoided the place like the plague on the weekends. I was trying to sell something that I knew wouldn't fly if this guy actually stuck around long enough for no one to show up. And now he was telling me he wasn't concerned about someone else showing up. Saturday nights are a busy time for convenience stores, but after about 3.30 they become a ghost town, and it was just me and this guy for one extended, uninterrupted, messed up conversation after another. I would try to walk to stock cups, lids, straws, and he'd pop up right behind me. There will be no more cups and straws when the Antichrist comes. <laughs> I arranged the beer and the coffee. There will be no more coffee when the Antichrist comes. I realize it sounds like a joke, but his panicked eyes and horribly hinting smile made it clear. He was dead serious in everything he said. Five o'clock rolls around. Well, you should probably get going. I don't want the boss man getting mad at me now. He won't get mad at you. It's just he, uh, he, he doesn't like people hanging out. We're just talking. We're just talking about the Bible. He said this so sickly sweet it made my stomach churn. Yeah, but still, he, he's going to be here soon. I'm not worried about him. I need milk. Ugh. I point to the display case. He walks back. 
grabs a thing of milk slowly and robotically and inspects the carton all the way back to the register. I love milk, he says. Oh, really? Yep, but there will be no more milk when the Antichrist comes. The devil won't allow that. It's holy sustenance. All right, so at this point, I'm sizing the guy up. He's about five feet, nine inches tall, and I'm about six feet, four inches tall, and I've got at least a hundred pounds on him. So if things go south, I think I can get a few good knocks in before he pulls out my liver and puts it on his head. Okay, it's, it's five, ten. Should really probably get going. I'm not worried about him. Is there anything else you need? The devil is real, Chris Franklin. Yes, my full name. This is where two things happened that if I hadn't lived through it, I would have called BS to the person telling the story. At 5.30, for the first time in the almost two years I had worked there, my boss James comes walking into the store on a Sunday morning. He freaking managed to unbluff my bluff with this guy. Secondly, and this is the jaw-droppingly hilarious part for me, James had been to the beach on Saturday. James had fallen asleep at the beach on Saturday. James had shaved his head fresh before going to the beach on Saturday. In other words, just as I told him he would, my boss came walking in at 5.30 on the dot with a completely shaved head, his long, dark goatee, and bright, bright red skin. What the hell are you doing here? I honestly have no idea. Who is this? I didn't answer. I looked at James. I looked at the guy and then back at James. He looks at the guy. James says to the guy, Let's go outside and chat, friend. Less than ten minutes later, the guy was walking off and James came back into the store. So, how are you? What the hell was all that about? Oh, Richard? Well, he started telling me about Jesus. I started telling him about witchcraft. He said the Antichrist was coming. I said I was the Antichrist. It overloaded his circuits and he left. I love James. I wish this is where the story ended, but about three months later, I'm outside of my store and smoking a cigarette with a few regular customers of mine, just chatting away. Somewhere in the distance I hear, Jesus, Lord God, help me. Help me. I perk up, but the people I'm with don't seem to notice. Please, I know you can help me. It's closer now, and I actually say, Oh, please, don't let it be, Richard. Jesus! Jesus Christ, come down from heaven and save me! Oh, God, please don't let it be, Richard. Sure enough, barreling around the side of the building and heading in my direction is a panicked, screaming, sweaty Richard. Covered in his own blood. The people I'm with ask the appropriate question of, Dude, is he covered in blood? 
I, on the other hand, had only one thought in my mind, and I repeated it over and over again. Don't go in the store, 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 damn it, don't go in the store. I crush my cigarette out and run into the store. In the few seconds he's been in there, I now have blood all over the doors, the floors, the rugs, and the countertops. Jesus Christ, please come down and save me! I grab him some towels and toss them in his general direction, trying to get an idea of the nature of his wounds, while dialing 911. Now, I can't be sure because I've never seen it before, but it looks quite possibly like he tried to crucify himself. Okay. 911, what's your emergency? I have a gentleman in my store who, who's injured, screaming profanities, yelling about Jesus, and is covered in his own blood. What? His name is Richard, and I don't know how badly he's hurt, but yeah. I hear her typing furiously. She asks the store name, the address, etc. Alright, and you said he's screaming profanities. Richard, who cannot hear her, now screams a four-letter F-word at the top of his lungs. Did you happen to hear that? Yeah, yeah, yes I did. And you said he's talking about Jesus. Richard, who still cannot hear her, is screaming, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Profanity, profanity. Please, profanity, come and save me. Did you happen to hear that? Yes. Yes, I did. And then Richard, in all his glory, does the one thing that makes any convenience store clerk go aggro. Especially one on a graveyard. I turn away from him to give the operator the store incident number. And when I turn back around, Richard is now behind me. Behind the register. I drop the phone. Richard, I don't care what the hell's wrong with you. If you don't get out from behind my freaking counter, I will hang up with 911 and let you bleed to death right now in my store. But the confrontation didn't last long. Before he could respond, there were four police officers with me. I thanked the 911 operator, hung up, and left the area. Richard was handcuffed inside an ambulance, and even the officer said it appeared he tried to do something harmful with religious significance. I thanked them for coming so quickly, and we laughed about the strangeness of it all. And then I asked a question I wish I hadn't. So, who cleans up all this blood? And the police officer says, Uh, that'd be you. I was staying at my girlfriend's parents' house last summer, in a medium, small, Swedish town. We were playing games with her two brothers. I think it was during our attempts to slay Moon Lord in Terraria. Such a great game, but I digress. Her older brother, who lived alone in an apartment further down into the center of town, had left a while ago, and we were sitting around watching videos and stuff on the internet. We had left some windows open to let some air in, and through one of the living room windows we heard loud screams of someone clearly in some kind of distress. It was a male voice, and it was definitely filled with panic. 
So I put on some shoes, grabbed a steel shoehorn, and went outside. The house had a small graveled yard with fences all around. A lot of houses next to it along with the town's junior high. Right outside the entryway to the yard down to the left, as seen from the house, there was a dirt path down a hill through a tiny brush forest, ending at a road passing the town's high school, the road being well lit with a single light post just before the forest. I rushed to the entryway, started walking down the path, only to notice rustling in the bush. A man clad in jeans, a black puffed jacket and a baseball cap, comes out into the path, turns towards me, looks me straight in the eyes, and starts up a quick stride straight towards me. As he was doing so, he took his hands out of his pockets, pulled down the zipper of his jacket, put one hand inside and grabbed something. First thought that came into my mind was that this was the man making the screams, trying to lure someone out of their home in the middle of the night. There was not one other living soul in sight. I kind of freaked out, but also was contemplating to just juggernaut him and smack him down, since he wasn't very far away and I weigh in at about 140 kg. Eventually, after a split second of thoughts, I turn and rush back into the house. The lights were already off inside, so I stood inside by a staircase and peeked out of a window. I saw the man coming up by the entryway looking around and slowly sneaking into our yard. Then suddenly some other people popped up further away down the road between the house and the school. They shouted something and the man stopped, turned, went towards them, and disappeared. I sighed out of relief and a shot of fear hit me right in the face, as I just then realized I didn't lock the freaking door. Had that man continued on, he would have been able to get inside, leaving us at his mercy, especially if he had a gun or a knife. So, you know, weird scream fisherman, let's not meet again. Before I start the story, I should give you some background and layout of the house. My papa built our small family beach house about 40 years ago. From my bedroom window, you can see the street as the main neighborhood street ends at our driveway. You can also see the neighbor's detached garage across the street, which is where a lot of my family parks when we have guests. Our neighbors are cool with it. Our neighborhood is safe and mostly just old people. It was spring break of 2019 and my best friend was staying with my family at our beach house. Since the house is small and always packed, we shared my bed. One night we were getting ready to lay down and I looked out the window behind my bed and noticed a bag by my uncle's truck across the street. I shook my best friend and said, 
Hey, do you see that bag by my uncle's truck? When did that get put there? She sat up and looked out the window with me, and I already had a weird feeling when she said, Uh, Faith? Who is that guy? I honestly hadn't noticed the guy at all, so I asked where, and she said, by your dad's truck. My dad's truck was in the driveway right in front of our house. I thought it must have been my dad or my uncle until I looked down and my blood ran cold. I saw a man tugging on my dad's truck door handle. Immediately we started screaming at the guy. He looked directly at us through the window and took off. I remember screaming for him to leave and screaming for my dad because someone was attempting to break into the truck. I've never had anything like that happen before, and to be honest I was shaken up the rest of the night. I felt sick when I realized our garage doors weren't locked. And if you go into the garage, there's a door that opens into the room my younger cousins were sleeping in. Those kids are like siblings to me. If he had gotten to that door, I'm terrified of what could have happened. Another thing that made me sick is the fact that our door was unlocked upstairs. He could have run up the stairs and confronted us. Or, the worst, he could have had a gun and shot us through the window. It's wild how you never think of just how dangerous a situation is until you've reacted. To this day, I can't look out that window at night without being scared I'll see him again. I can't look out a window at night anyways because of a phobia that someone will be staring back at me. But my second story window isn't safe anymore either. So to the man who was trying to break into my dad's truck, let's not meet. Don't forget to follow the show over on Instagram at Nightmare Society Radio. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter as well. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time. Sweet dreams.